right, let's uh, Google um, famous Dune quotes. We're going to parody one of these real good. Let me see. Uh, the willow submits to the wind and prospers until one day it has many willows. A wall against the wind. Okay, okay, we could do that. Um, and opinions are cheap with Cameron and Chad, and also there's wind. Hi, Chad. Hi, Cameron. And the wind. A little behind the scenes of how we do the show. Yeah. I feel like. So what do you I think? Like Was that should... my worst opening ever? I I have no idea what's going on, but I feel like we should address the wind periodically throughout the episode. But now that I'm explaining it, like it won't even be funny if we do it. It'll just be stupid, which might make it funny. And listeners, this is how you workshop comedy. We are professionals. We got paid a dollar once. I think no, we didn't. Someone should pay us a dollar. Oh, Alex, yeah. send me a dollar. I want to do a joke on my. Uh, I do like Warcraft channel, and one of the jokes I have uh, sitting on the back burner is I, I've done this before, but not on this channel. I want to say like thanks to my Patreon subscribers at the end of the video, and there's like that list that comes up where it lists like all the names. Yeah, but you don't have any, and that's the joke, right? Or were you, you going to make do something more th- than that? Well, that's what I'm workshopping because I figured like the joke would be like there's a big space for it, but there's kind of nothing, and then just like Tim will come up, and it'll be like very slowly, and so it'll linger for a few minutes where you just see Tim like slowly climbing up the screen, and. I'm wondering, like, has that been done too much where that's not that funny and I just shouldn't bother? Okay, uh, idea. I give you a, a name of someone I work with first and last, and then you do that. And then I go, hey, I didn't know you watched this show, too. This guy's only got, like, four listeners. What are the odds? And then I send it to him. I wouldn't mind doing that if you give me the name. Yeah, I, I'll have to, I almost want to pick someone that has, like, a somewhat name that's like not not uncommon but not common just so like you're not i'm not actually like doxing somebody but i think that would be kind of funny just to fuck with someone at work yeah if you know a john smith or whatever i know a stan smith yeah something like that which is the most generic name in like the fucking country which is why i don't mind saying that one i want to work stan. more jokes into my videos because they're mostly just me rambling, and I feel like they don't always have enough jokes. Hmm. There's something to play with as you go. How about you? You having a good day? I'm I'm doing pretty well right now, but I'm also on my second drink of the night, and the first one was pretty high proof. So I'm I'm not feeling any pain. Uh, it's been that's a good. really shitty week, so I'm I'm oh, glad the week's over. Yeah. Yay. I don't know if this is a, I I don't we don't really vent about real life stuff too much on this show. So I don't know if I want to just cuz like I don't think anybody cares, but it, it's one of those things. You have like those weeks where like you're in a bad mood and you're like any and then every time someone opens their mouth it's like they make you in a worse mood. And it's not like they're trying. It's just <laughs> you're not receptive to anything. And so it's not their fault. It's your fault, but you're still like I I want to just like 
literally every time someone talks to me today, I, I'm more upset than, than I was the second prior. Like, my last two days have basically been that. And, like, it finally is kind of broke. Today was better. Um, I think it's time for me to start pounding vitamin D because the sun's going down early. Yeah, actually, me too. Also, anytime your bank fucks up and you have to fix that is a bad week. Oh, you're having one of those weeks. Yeah. Yeah. But all fixed. I think that's another one of the things that was great about today. Fixed. Shit's fixed. Everything's back to normal. I did nap and play video games instead of like, you know, doing work when I got home. But sometimes you need to nap and play video games, Cameron. There's nothing wrong with that. Drinking a new bourbon called Jefferson's. It's, uh, they're, they're the group, uh, or they're, they're the distillery that they have, uh, they have a branch that they, they, they age it on the ocean. So it rocks back and forth because of the waves. That stuff's like $100 a bottle. I got the cheap stuff from them, which is like 35 bucks a bottle. It's really good. It's, uh, it's got a really nice oaky burn, like pretty much from start to finish, but it's kind of sweet on the front end. So you get a, you get a bit of both. That's nice. I actually, uh, I'm drinking tonight too, but I wanted to go with a theme to match the discussion. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I you picked a, a glass of water. Yeah, I got. I got. I got one of those too. I'm also drinking a Pacifico because I want beer. Nice. That's my story. I liked it. I want to hear it again, and then you should just take that and just copy and paste it. <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I like editing jokes, um, but I find it interesting how, it, like, editing software has become so accessible, where, like, people do stuff on their phones that would cost thousands of dollars back in the 90s, you know? Oh, yeah. And it's just very interesting to me how now, like, a part of humor is, well, everyone understands like video editing and dubbing over stuff and how chroma keying works to the point where like you can work in jokes that are just like clearly behind the scenes of like tech stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember, God, this would be well over a decade ago. We tried to do a podcast with some people on a video game forum. And I think I tried to edit an episode of that in audacity. Cause this, this program has been around forever and it's always been free, but I didn't know what I was doing. We all had our same, like, audio on one channel, and I think it was coming in from left and right, and it was just a total shit show and didn't work. And now I, I know how to fix that. Like, if, I, if you gave me that file, I'd be like, well, this sounds like shit, but I can at least, like, produce it. And so just as much as I've learned. But also, I think, like you said, the, the, the level of knowledge people have for just that base thing in general is way higher than it was even a decade ago, let alone... You're, you know, the 90s. It's crazy. So, uh, Wind, how are you doing today? This blows. Ah! We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll check in on the wind another ten minutes from now. That was my wind voice. I've been practicing. I liked it. <laughs> oh my god. I liked in VR chat this week. We're in that one area looking at the stupid avatars, and, and then, like, this dude shows up in a, a salamander uh, Warhammer guy, right? Like, he's oh, really yeah. tall. 
And then he's just like listening to us and you're like, I'm trying to paint that. You're just like pointing at him and he's like, I'm trying to do this and this and this part's hard. And he just like gets down on one knee like he's like your dad getting ready to talk to you. And he's like, you got to set your achievable goals just like when you go to the gym. And then he starts talking about going to the gym. And I was like, thank you, gym man. Like that was super funny. And he tried to give him a hug. What a, what a, what a wild, who the fuck was that guy? Oh, that, that's Kane. He's a cool guy. I, so I, it's funny. I met him at like some random furry world, right? And it was like, uh, it's late and I was talking to somebody and he just happened to be there, but he kept like saying, um, mature things. Like, you know, it's like, yeah. oh wait, you're the only adult in the room. And so we ended up talking for a long time because it's just like, I normally meet very obnoxious people and then like, I'm just kind of people watching. But this is like, oh, wait, this is a person. I, I want to talk to a person. So I just hung out for a while. And it's just funny because um, I started talking to him actually like right about the time I started going to the gym. And so we were talking about like, you know, workout routines and, and you know, dedicating and stuff. And, you know, I see him every once in a while, but he just like he'll he'll randomly pop up if uh, if you're on his friends list and he's bored, he'll just see what people are doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So he just snuck in at some point. Uh, no one else in the room knows him besides me. And then he has to like drop another like wisdom truth bomb. It's like, you know, well appreciated, but it's just very funny how he'll insert himself and say something wise and then disappear on the wind. Yeah, and he's got like a deep voice and he's got such a big avatar. So he's got like a physical presence in the game. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, this guy's <laughs> talking. I wonder what he has to say. And it's like, oh, he's got good advice. Yeah, I had another funny VR chat incident. Um, somebody, uh, like, we're, we're all staring at the mirror, right? Somebody starts playing an animation. And this guy is, like, pointing. And, like, and he has full body tracking. He's, like, pointing and getting all excited and saying, like, you're just playing the canned California girls dance. You're not even going to really do it. No, no, this is how you do it. And he has a soundboard set up, so he starts playing California Girls and doing the dance. Because he has the whole thing memorized for some reason, right? Oh, wow. And so he does this whole routine, and we're all watching. And this guy on desktop that's, like, getting called out for some reason is just, like, standing there, like, on this desktop, like, perfectly rigid and staring at this. And the guy finishes the song, and he's like, so who's better? They're like, no, 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 you gotta give this guy a chance. And so I told him to start dancing again. But then I started playing the uh, the Joker soundtrack from the movie, like, when he goes crazy after killing those guys. Yeah. He's dancing in front of the mirror. And so that music's playing while this desktop user is, like, having this canned California girls dance. <laughs> and the guy that was, like, the the... The dancing guy and the full body tracking, he was laughing so hard he fell over. <laughs> and so we all declared the desktop guy the winner. <laughs> VR chat is so fucking fun. Like you I admittedly I don't like meeting new people in that game very often because they're fucking weird. <laughs> and it and it and it makes me nervous. But when you when you find a moment like that, you're like, God damn, no other game is like this game. Yeah, it can be real special. Well, Cameron, we're here. Should we should we be on topic, or do you want to just fuck around tonight? No, let's let's get into the topic. I uh, you had something kind of topical, not in the world sense, but you just finished a book. 
I finished reading Dune by Frank Herbert. This is the first time I've gone through this book. And I really, really like this book a lot. This is a fantastic novel, and I know you've read it. Uh, We talked about Dune a little bit when the movie came out. I think you, when you were reading this book, you mentioned you were reading it and wanted to talk about it at some point. And then we've both kind of mentioned that we know people who have tried to read it and were like, "Ah, I didn't get into it. Like, I didn't like it. I didn't finish it. I only got like 80 pages in. I was like, fuck this. And so I don't really get that. I, I, I thought this was pretty easy to read just like off the bat. Like this is a very modernly written book for being penned in the 60s. As far as yeah. the writing style goes, as far as like, what it's talking about, characters, like it feels pretty like this guy knows how to write women. I was so surprised because, you know, 1960s, like I sent you that um that collection of like pulp fiction, right? From from uh, I think that was 10 or 15 years prior to this that that I, I found it a, a record store, the. I don't know if you ended up reading those, but like those guys, all the stories in there, some of them are fun, but they are so much more dated than what is than this book. And then like none of those people know how to write women at all. It is embarrassing. <laughs> yes. Uh, so with Dune, uh, it's one of those things that I never read, um, but I'm like aware of. And I never saw the movie, but it's like, hey, it's a, I'm aware of it. Like it's a desert planet. I get the spice thing. I get it's important. I get there's a big worm and there's like a chosen one or whatever, whatever. I get it. And what? <clears throat> and uh, it's one of those things where I never sat down, and read the book because my brother's into reading. My dad's into reading. Neither of them read it or recommended it to me. So it just never entered like my library as it were. Sure. But when this new movie is coming out, and it's like, I've heard so many people say good things about it. I want to just give it a try, you know? And I need, you know, something to listen to at work. So it's like, I'll just get the audiobook. And I fell in love with it really fast. Yeah. I knew that it was like an influential book. I didn't realize it was just the sci-fi equivalent of Lord of the Rings. Where, like, everything comes from Dune. Yeah, I see. I always thought um, Asimov's Foundation series was kind of like the sci-fi Lord of the Rings. And when I read that last year, there is a lot in there that other sci-fi pulls from. And there's stuff in there that Dune, I think, pulls from. But Asimov's stuff, I think that predates this by a good decade. And you can tell, I think that this, this is where people are really gravitating to is Dune. Because Dune, for one, is better written. It has way better characters. It has a bigger influence on politics versus space travel like the foundation stuff is cool because it has scale you're looking at multiple planets a really long length of time between books and so like some of the shit warhammer does directly influenced by Asimov's foundation series but then also some of the shit warhammer does i think is probably directly influenced by dune and and dune is just it's a much more accessible package whereas the asimov stuff is it's thinner it it's I think it really relies on the fact that you maybe need to finish like all eight books, which I have not done. I only read the first three. It's cool though to 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 see the real building blocks of science fiction. I mean, technically, yeah, you go back to like War of the Worlds and Frankenstein; those are really, really early sci-fi. But when we think sci-fi, we think spaceships and aliens and going to different planets to acquire resources. Like, if 
Foundation, Dune, and then Dune gets the gold star for just being, I think, the best at it. But also the most captivating because there's something about the way he writes and just like the world is so well realized. Like you can tell this guy put a ton of research when he was developing like the culture of the freemen and the uh, the life cycle of Arrakis as a planet. The the weather patterns, the the ge- geography, all that. wow, words are really hard right now. I'm so sorry. But, you, you know, like you, there's so much love and care in this book, and it just really carries through with, with how everything is written and how everything is portrayed. And so, yeah, it's like it's Lord of the Rings, but for science fiction, and that's fucking really cool. Yeah, I really like that about it. I like uh, the language, like the writing style he went with. I never had trouble keeping up with the vocabulary. Whenever they introduce a sci-fi word or a made-up word or a foreign language word, it was always offered with just enough explanation through context where you can always understand what's going on. Yeah. But it also was completely immersive because it was always used naturally. It wasn't like a ham-fisted, like, on Mars we say Kleptor. Right. You know, it was smart. And I think that's one of those things that I, I knew this was a popular book. I just didn't expect it to be this smart. Yeah, there's a lot going on, like, thematically in this book, which is wild. Like, I read the afterword. Uh, my, my version has some stuff written by uh, Frank's son. And so he's like, yeah, there's here's all the ways people have read this book. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, all of these ways are valid looks at this novel. Like, it, it, it ostensibly is, like, a metaphor for oil and environmentalism, where spice is oil going you know to the middle east to take it like the, it that's what this book is about and then also re, you know religious fanaticism and when religion and politics interact like there's so many different layers here and like you can go even further than that cuz there's mysticism and, and different religious mythology and what it means to there's be also, a leader yeah there's also just these very interesting high concept themes where there's not really time travel, but it's like an ascended consciousness component comes into the story. And I feel like that stuff is always handled very poorly, um, typically because it's like, how do you explain this concept to somebody? But they do a lot of just um, show, don't tell in this, mm-hmm. where you you see what it means to like have this a higher understanding of the universe and stuff and how to act on things and what based on what he does with the knowledge that he has now it's very fascinating because there's just there's a point in the book where the character changes and it is night and day before and after you know what i loved about that scene there's a couple things i loved about that scene but one of them is it felt really natural like the character went through some shit and then basically had that huge flip of like there's literally no going back now is one of them but the way paul's demeanor and the way he thinks about the world fundamentally is different and part of it is because he's almost been killed he's flown up you know basically like a helicopter through a storm almost died there his father died everything he knows about life is like totally upended but also his kind of mystical powers that he was bred to have that i don't think he wants but he has because that's like what the whole uh, his mother's 
kind of cult is trying to do. Like those kick in at this exact same point. And so he's all of a sudden seeing the future and different futures and he sees his own death like a thousand different ways. And it's it's this really beautiful scene because so much stuff is happening and he's like having this mental breakdown. And it's like you're gaining superpowers and you don't want them and they're fucking upsetting. And that feels like such a deconstruction of just that concept of like powers. And this book is so old. And it was already so much smarter than like your average superhero, your average chosen one story. Something else I liked on that was like you mentioned, it's like he doesn't want this responsibility. And the more he learns about the depth of what this responsibility is going to be, the more he resists it. But after it starts, he stops whining because he's seen like, no, this is important. And it's yeah. not just like he accepts his fate and he goes with it. It's like, no, he sees the importance and he is on that path now. And I found that just really refreshing because, like you said, everything we have now, it's so amateur. <laughs> like every major movie that comes out, it kind of like it, it feels embarrassing sometimes. Everything feels so simple. And yeah. That sounds like such a shitty thing to say, but there is a lot, anything that with like a budget of X amount of hundreds of millions of dollars, I feel like it needs to appeal to a lot of people to make its money back. And so a lot of these movies don't want to have anything super concrete to say. Like I'm thinking of like, like Captain Marvel or something. Like there's not maybe a lot of text or subtext to Captain Marvel or even like the Captain America movies have some, but they could go further. Or the Joker, uh, the one with the uh, Walking Phoenix in it. I feel like that movie had so much going on, but literally had nothing to say about any of the stuff going on. And I was really pissed at that movie because it, it was such a vessel for like commentary. And then it's commentary is like, well, we live in a society and bad things happen sometimes. And it's like, that's all you have to say about like gun violence and mental health and politicians that don't give a shit and money and income inequality like all of this stuff is in this movie and it's like look how smart we are we have all this stuff in this movie and it's like but you have no you don't have a foundation for any of it you don't care about any of it you're just putting it in there to try and be smart and it's so annoying i i'm curious um not to change the subject too much uh but you finished the book did it leave you wanting to read the next book or were you satisfied Honestly, I was kind of satisfied. I was too. Um, Part of that is I've heard very mixed things about the next five books. Also, this book is huge, and I'm guessing the next five are not small books either. So I'm like, oh, there's a fucking time commitment. And if it's not good, I'm almost worried it would like retroactively hurt this one. Because this to me is like basically a masterpiece, or at least borderline. Like this is, you know, really top echelon kind of novel. And I like how it ended. Because it's open, but like you said, it's a satisfying openness. And you get glimpses of the future through Paul and through the, um, each chapter starts with like an excerpt of a writing that was done by, uh, turns out Paul's wife, but also like way in the future is kind of a history. And so you get glimpses of where things are going to go and you're like, oh shit, maybe works out, but everyone's got good intentions. So even if it doesn't, like you're, you're kind of like. You're satisfied is, is really the best way to, to put it, I think. So, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to read the rest. Like, I, I have access to him. A guy at work loves this series. He thinks all the books are amazing. He's like, no, you really should read the next 
next five. Uh, you can you can borrow them, you know, so it's not going to cost you any money. I might take them up on it. I might not. I want to read some easier shit first and just kind of, you know, because this is kind of big brain. You had to concentrate. I could not read this book drunk, I, I found out. Like, if I was buzzed, I could not read that night. So it's like, I want to go back to reading some, some just kind of easier, easier books and then see where I'm at in, like, a couple weeks. Yeah, I think the next book I'm going to read is Jurassic Park 2. Um, I'm not super eager to expand the universe too much more because, again, I've heard the similar stuff you did. Uh, Dune seems to be the good one. Uh, not that the follow-ups are inherently bad, but it's kind of like... I don't know that they necessarily add enough to warrant uh, you know, a complete reading. It does vary yeah. from person to person, but I'm kind of like, I feel good. This is, you know, I, I really appreciate it as a classic right now. Um, remind me, you never saw the original movie, right? No, um, I did see Ardowski's Dune, which you bought for me. And so, like, I watched that. That was my first introduction to Dune was watching this crazy director try and make this movie that didn't work. And then I saw the movie itself that came out, what, a year or two ago. And I was like, oh, this movie is fucking awesome. This movie is amazing. I want to read the book. And I know you had recommended the book around then. And so I had a good recommendation going in. And it, it just took me forever to finally get to it. So that was my my stepping stones to Dune. I think it's very funny that we sort of followed a very similar path there. Because <laughs> Jodorowsky's Dune was my introduction also oh nice um i love that movie that documentary it's so zany looking at the life of this bizarre eccentric director and all the people he worked with but also the stuff they produced was so amazing and it's like i'm kind of glad the movie didn't get made because it it would not have lived up to the vision right and so i'm kind of like oh i i love having this dream of what the perfect movie would have been we got Alien instead, and you know what? Hell yeah. We, we got a lot of things instead. I, honestly, watching this new Dune also, it's like, oh, this is the best like Warhammer 40k movie we'll ever get either. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the first like three chapters of this book, I think, are like one-to-one in the, in the movie. I was kind yeah. of blown away by how accurate that movie has depicted everything in this book. And like the stuff that was different or not there sensible changes sensible cuts like it makes sense because you're adapting this but also when we go into the second movie some of the politics uh from the harkonnens that isn't in the main movie like they can just put it in the second movie like there's room for it yeah the other thing um i like how the book is written but it's also a lot of inner dialogue yeah and thoughts and things and i think in the in the format of a book, it works perfectly and it's written expertly. And in a movie, you have this visual medium where it's like, okay, how are you going to explain like the voice? Are you going to have a character exposit the fucking Jedi code? Or are you just going to have him like say something and somebody like blacks out and realizes they did something else and say, like, oh, wait, no, they did it that way. Okay, that's good. One of the things I like about the voice too is. Like, there's mysticism in this book, but it's not, like, Star Wars mysticism. Like, oh, this is theoretically based on psychology. We are saying 
a, a command in a specific way to resonate with someone where they're going to like instinctively act to do it. And so there's like a science nature to some of the, the magic in this story. But then as it goes further in and they start having the, um, you know, the, the spice water and these kind of shared weird cerebral connections, it's like, oh, there is a bit more to the magic than just psychology. But it's not, it's not like throwing fireballs, right? You're not like altering the world. You're vaguely seeing the future and maybe vaguely seeing the past. And then how you interpret what you see is ultimately what's important. And so it's like, it's not really science fantasy, but it is. It, you know, it's one of those things. It's not the force. It's not lightsabers. It's two steps removed from that. And so it, it's not a crutch, which is cool. Something else I really like is how they handle combat where technology is so advanced that they have things like sonic armor where if anything moves too fast, it gets stopped before it hits you. But then, like all warfare, there's escalation. And so there's technology to get around sonic armor. And it's like just a reality in this world where you know, warfare has evolved to a point where everything has all these redundancies to it. Like when they fire a missile at a big armored tanker thing, it's like, it's not just a missile and it explodes. It's like a missile that drops a a drill and the drill disintegrates and pours into a chemical that reacts with metal in a way that hinders the armor on the armor. And then the sub missile detonates at that point just because of how complicated all the defenses are, all the offenses are equally complicated. And it feels like a cool sci-fi concept, but also completely real that like, I, I, Star Wars is fun, but there's something funny about an army of the best people in the world. And they have swords. Yeah. Like it's cool that they can defect lasers, but also if you shoot enough lasers, they can't deflect all of them. Right. So it's like, like why isn't there a sniper Jedi, you know, that can like shoot somebody on the other side of the planet or something. And in Dune, that's how they operate. It's like, (laughs) there's these like unreal levels of dedication. I will say I like all that stuff. I do think um, like the climactic battle is a little unsatisfying to read because it doesn't have a lot of spectacle to it. And so it's like all of a sudden, Oh, we're in the final battle. Uh, there's a, st- a, a crazy sandstorm and we're, we're shooting missiles, we're shooting guns. The way it is introduced and the way it's portrayed, it, it almost feels kind of mundane. And I think it's, that's the point and it's supposed to be, but I'm so used to like the, the box office climactic scene. Right. And so right. I'm like, Oh, I'll, I guess there, I guess this is the turning point battle. I, 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 I expected a few more explosions. I expected, uh, you know, a Saving Private Ryan scene. It's like, no, they're just snipers, like, shooting at some helicopters so they can't fly away, and then the storm's gonna get them. It's like, oh, that's fucking smart. I get that. It's not, uh... Narratively, is is like, fun and, and, and is exciting as what we're kind of spoon-fed now for stories, but it also makes sense, and since the story is so political, that it's like, no, actually, the real climax is after that, when Paul has the Emperor in his court, and he's like, hey... I'm the leader of Arrakis. I'm also the Duke Asterides. You have to fucking do what I say or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and you're like, shit. I bet I bet George R. R. Martin read this book because I feel like the way the politics is handled in this is similar to the way it, it's handled in Game of Thrones. It's so fucking cutthroat. 
And you know, it's funny. I tried reading Game of Thrones. I found it so boring. I think that's weird because I, I think Game of Thrones is written spectacularly. It is definitely a slower burn, but this book's kind of a slow burn too. Like those first like hundred pages, I mean, they're getting introduced to a new planet and they're assuming command and playing some politics and like forward thinking, but it, it's not, it's super immersive, but it's not like go, 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 right? You're, it is a slow burn too. So I want to uh, I want to link you this here, if it would let me copy paste it. Spice there Wars. Okay. So this is the Dune phone game. Oh, okay. And something about this feels so um, dramatically silly. It's like it's like parody of bad ideas. Like, this is what they would do on The Simpsons, you know? All right, I'm going to click play in three, two, one, go. Oh, it's like an RTS. These, yeah, it's like an RTS, but it's just all these little units that are scaled funny where they have, like, they have, like, stubby legs and they walk around all cute. And, like, the gamification of the war. It's weird to me because I think with the Dune setting, the drama is what sells it. And yeah. the war part is a backdrop. And so having a game where you focus on the backdrop instead of the cool parts, it's like, who is this for? And I know right. it's for people that went and saw the movie and they don't know what it's about, but it just, it makes me cringe a little bit. The best parts of Dune, and I think I think this is true of any great novel, but the best parts are not the action parts, they're the parts in between. Where you're learning stuff, you're experiencing the characters, you're building drama, and like the action is the catharsis to all of that. And you know, like you build, 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 and then release. And the problem, I mean, I've been rereading old fantasy books over the last two years now, and they're written like the exact opposite way, where the goal is to have giant fight scenes, and then everything in between is to get you to the next scene. And there's no real character. The motive is always just super thin and childish. And it's like, I guess when you're 14, this is pretty dope. But I want I want something way more interesting than this. I want something, you know, I want my fiction to have like a something to say for the most part. Like you know, Gideon the Ninth was kind of a dumb book, but even that had themes and, and things going for it. And at least the characters were fucking well written, which helps. We were talking about um, good books. Yeah. You know what a book I want to read is Who Censored Roger Rabbit? I've never heard that book. What's that one about? Um, It's about like a, this is like, um, it's a detective. It's it's kind of like a detective novel, right? But it's a cartoon rabbit hires a detective um, to clear his name. That sounds awesome. Is this ringing any bells? Yeah, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the movie. I wasn't sure okay. if this came was, out before I was half or curious. after. Well, no, this is what the movie was based on. Okay. The The thing is, I've heard that Who Censored Roger Rabbit isn't very good. Oh. And also, this isn't the same story. Uh, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit is actually a remake of Chinatown. 
and not who censored Roger Rabbit, but they took the concept of what if a cartoon rabbit and they, they put in the Disney and the WB characters and just made Chinatown that way. But with uh, who censored Roger Rabbit, I'm curious because I, I love who framed Roger Rabbit so much, but it's like I'd love to know what some of the, the concepts were, right? And what's different in the book is that they're not cartoon characters like animated cartoons. They're from the newspaper comics. Oh, that's cool. And there's like a funny quirk where these characters are real. They're like cartoons that walk around like in the movie. But it's like they also like when they talk, physical word bubbles appear like they don't make sound. Oh, that's just what wow. they do. And so the way that comics are made is they act out each panel and they just like take snapshots of them, like in pose saying what they're saying. And that's how comics are made. But what they do that's weird, like this cartoon logic is that you can photocopy a cartoon and it's like a clone, but it's a clone that'll die within like three days. And so they do that so that they can play their own stunts. So if someone's supposed to like get hurt in the strip it's like, we'll just make a clone, and the clone will get hurt. And so what happened is, Roger Rabbit got murdered, but his clone is still alive. And so the clone hires Eddie Valiant to solve the the murder mystery within three days. I love the concepts that you're talking about. This sounds like a really cool uh, gimmick, for lack of a better word. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a shitty paperback novel. But these concepts are so interesting. It's like, I want to know what the guy did with them. So I'm just yeah, very sure. curious. I have to, f- like, track down a copy somewhere. Um, but it, it's like, we're, we're talking earlier about the Mario movie and how, like, I enjoy it and I watch it annually. And I made you watch it and you blocked it from your memory so much that we spent the last couple of days arguing whether or not you've seen it. That did happen, yes. And it's like, I feel like... It's funny that you're describing how brilliant Dune is, and I have this Who Censored Roger Rabbit Wikipedia page open, <laughs> like as a as a reminder tab on my thing here. Cause I just I love garbage, I guess. I'm a garbage meister. No. You're Cameron. Alright. I bet I bet Barnes and Noble has um, this book. But I can still appreciate it. They might. I should look. They want fucking fifteen um, bucks for the still paperback. I appreciate Dune. Uh, what? They want fifteen dollars for the paperback. When did books get so fucking expensive? Well, I think when they stopped printing as many. There's like a diminishing returns on the cost thing there. Unavailable at my local Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I found a used copy here for ten bucks. Yeah, it seems to be the going price on eBay. Well, it qualifies for free shipping. So if I wanted a copy, I would I would I don't like I don't like used books, Cameron. I feel like they may have been in the bathroom. They might be like damaged or written in or highlighted or the spines might be creased. I want my books to be pristine so when I put them on my shelf they look pretty. That's fair. You know what I really want is uh raw footage from who framed Roger Rabbit where they didn't put the cartoons in yet and then I just want to like act it out in VR chat oh yeah that'd be great I did that one test one with uh, Harvey remember Harvey is that where you're the uh, shark girl yeah but uh, have you ever seen Harvey I have not that's a good movie 
Oh, but he has an imaginary friend that's a giant talking rabbit. And so I just, like, I stood in the place of the, like, the, on set, there's nothing there. He's just talking to air. So I'm just like, well, what if he's just talking to a gigantic muscular furry? And the scene plays out the same way. And that, that made me laugh, but it was also a very interesting learning experience to get the shots down. I still, like, think about that once in a while and giggle. Like, that was really funny. <laughs> Is that in your, I like, want to do your, more stuff your VR like channel? Your, your it might YouTube not channel? be. I should, you should still put have that a copy, if it though. is. Yeah, you should definitely do that. Okay, well, we, we got off subject a bit. Is there anything more you want to share about Dune that uh, you finally read it? Um, I feel like the answer is yes, and I'm trying to think of what I want to share. Oh, so, I've heard people talk. I guess it, it uh, well, we spoiled stuff already, but... When the, when the when the Dune movie ended, people who have read the book are like, I don't know why it didn't go a little further, and then there's like a time skip. You'd think they would have gone to the time skip. And I was like, I'm really curious, as I get to this portion, how I will feel about the movie structure. And I think all of those people that think that are wrong. The way the movie ended is exactly where it fucking should have ended, because it ends on a very another very big turning point for Paul and Jessica. But then you start the second movie where they get introduced to the Freeman culture and like that's a nice kind of lull point you get to uh mirror the the format of the first movie so you're being introduced to something new they have to learn it they have to experience it figure shit out uh they're the reader or viewer cipher because it's new to them but not new to anybody else and that's just like from a pacing standpoint makes a lot of sense and then you go up to the climax of this chunk and then that's like the midpoint of the movie and then you do your time skip and then that's the second half of the movie and if you need more room like i said there's harkonnen politics you can add in and just like just put it wherever like hey the bad guys are doing this so what i guess i'm trying to say is is people i've met that like dune and think the movie it didn't was weird uh, are wrong I don't have a basic concept of like narrative structure. I think that's fair. Um, sometimes it feels really snobby to say stuff like that, but at the same time, it's like it, not everyone, you know, understands storytelling. I just like I, I like when it was explained to me before I read the book. I'm like, oh yeah, that was a weird decision. And then now that I've read it, I'm like, no, no, they made the right decision. Absolutely, like. Imagine it would have gone on for another 40 fucking minutes. Imagine rushing through Paul and Jessica being uh, introduced to the Freeman culture. Like, you want that to take a while because it's all important. Freaking Paul ends up getting, like, stepchildren because he had to murder a dude that he didn't want to murder. And it's like, oh, by the way, uh, you get all his stuff now. You have it. His wife and his kids are yours. And it's like, oh, I have to deal with that now. Like, I don't want that to be, like, five minutes in the movie. Like, that was... That was some scenes. And, you know, with, with stuff like that, I, I love how um, there's different cultures. But you know what I'm really tired of in modern movies is, like, whenever there's, like, conflicting cultures. So they're just like, well, well, well I'm offended. And now we will go to war now. And it's, it's like in Dune, they have these drastically different cultures. And they'll just stop and explain, look, sorry, I'm new to this. And say, you know what? Okay, I'm going to walk you through it, but this is important. Yep. And they move on. Like human beings. <laughs> and like culturally, all the weird stuff that happens 
uh, or at least weird to us in the Freeman culture, like make sense to their way of life and the planet they're living on. It's not just like random bullshit for the sake of like, hey, look how cool my alien culture is. Look how weird they are. It's like, no, no, no. From top to bottom, everything they do revolves around living on Arrakis and dealing with how much water they have, which is not a lot. It's also something else I found very interesting was um, the I, I feel like the reality of how dry everything is in the desert. It, it comes through so well. He's very good with words. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't make it clear, I very much enjoyed how this book was written. I wish I wish there was a bit more visuals in parts. I like it. I like a good visual. And maybe that's like the Lord of the Rings fan in me. Um but there are times when like something interesting is happening and I feel like it's described in like two sentences and I'm like, oh, I wanted like a full paragraph on what this looked like, what it smells like, what it sounds like, what it feels like, you know, just for, for and that's a personal preference thing. Um, but on the whole, like I, I appreciate, you know, Frank's like, hey, I'm describing a thing. I'm going to pick the most important part about the thing and I'm going to describe that and that's all you get. And you know what? That's a really lean way to write and this is not a small book, so... <laughs> Probably the right decision. Yeah, I I think um, if I have anything to say, it's that it it's good. The book turned out good. I recommend it. Um, I mean, I, I, I imagine you would say the same, right? You, this is a oh, recommendable yeah. book. Absolutely. This book's fantastic. It's nice when something lives up to the hype. Because I feel like that doesn't always happen. And then, like, you hear, you hear like, oh, this is, yeah. you know, a seminal work of science fiction. You have to read this. And you're like, sure, I hope it's as good as everybody says it is. And you go in with these, you know, wild expectations that it's going to be, like, the best piece of sci-fi you ever read. And you're like, oh, no, this might actually be, like, the one of the best science fiction books I've ever read. Granted, I haven't read a lot of, like, really great sci-fi. Um, I'm more of a fantasy person. And I've mostly read shit fantasy. So what does that say about me? But this book's good. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, you, you say living up to the hype. I think that's one of the things that kept me from reading it, too, was just the everyone praises it so much that it's like, I feel like this has been oversold. I feel like people like it because they feel obligated to like it and they're afraid to not like it. Maybe. But it turned out pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm glad that this bucked the trend. Me too. I just, I just don't know if I'll read the rest. I have to think about it. I think I might get the mood. Uh, you know, uh, that next movie is still a ways out. Mm -hmm. I might get in the mood for more. And it's like, you know, I could reread Dune or maybe I'll try out the next one. Yeah. I think that's a healthy way to look at it. Well, like when the next movie comes out or like up leading up to it, if I'm like itching for more. I will say, one of the, thing, the neat things about this book is this book is over 200,000 words. This is a big book, even by today's standards. This is a this is a, a doorstopper. But when this was written, the average length of a novel was like maybe 50 to 65,000 words. So this book is like way bigger than the average. So this, Frank had a shit hard of a time getting this thing published. He only got a $7,000 advance, which in today's money is about 60 grand. Just, you know, not bad, but like, when Stephen King got like $100,000 or more for Carrie, and that was a decade or more after, 
it's kind of crazy, right? Like you hear about these authors that just struggle to get this thing published. And then once it does, it blows the fuck up. This is a bit of a slow burn, um, according to his kid. But now it's sell, you know, it's sold over 10 million copies, right? Like it is, it is a, a worldwide phenomenon and has been for decades. And it, and it's cool to like hear about that journey that the book got to go on just as a physical book. So I guess the big question, are you going to dress up as Dune for Halloween? No. Okay. I do think that someone should make a, um, a, a penis sleeve masturbation device shaped like the, uh, the worms from Arrakis. I want I want a Dune flashlight. Um, let me check real quick. Cursed Dune flashlight on Reddit. Wow. Yep. I'm glad. Uh, oh, it's oh, it's made out of yarn. I don't think I don't think that's no, I'm, meant I'm to be seeing, a flashlight. I'm seeing real ones too. That's good. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Oh wow. I, I yeah I found them. <laughs> No, no, that just, that is so upsetting. Uh, <laughs> that is so cursed. I cannot, I cannot imagine putting that anywhere near my genitals. I've, I've seen horror movies before. That is a final destination way to die. I, and you know, what's funny too. The, the big sandworm is such a, like an iconic visual and like you said, like going back to how you want the spectacle part, but also in the movie, like the first half of the movie, it almost doesn't matter. Like you, you see it at one point, but like stuff doesn't really happen that much besides like that one mining accident. Yeah. And people like in the marketing, they treat it like it's a movie about sandworm attacks. And it's like, no, 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 no. I think all the sandworms are that planet's equivalent to dragons. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. You heard of dragons? Well, we got giant worms. And then Star Wars is like, I will have one of those, please. The Book of Boba Fett with its, oh, we're running spice across Tatooine. It's like, you shameless fucks. You just, you horrible fuckers. You know, my problem with uh, the Star Wars stuff is, like, apparently there's only one drug in the whole, like, universe. And, you know, like, each planet, like, any slum neighborhood would just invent a new drug. Right. Like, if if there are illegal substances that people get addicted to, there's got to be, like, a billion of these. So it's just annoying how they always just sort of, like, hand wave it and say, oh, yeah, it's spice. No, we got a spice operation here. I'm a spice runner. You can't tell me there's not some okay. like person on indoor who's like, yeah, I'm huffing glue today because we don't have anything else and I want to get high. Pretty sure like you can you can breathe in the aerosol from a spray paint can and get stoned off of that in a weird, horribly bad for your brain way. Like they're doing that on Alderaan until it got blown up. Like, there's more than one drug. There's more than one way to get high and drunk. We have oh, so many on this sticks. planet. You can get death sticks. Those sound like a spicy food. No, it's a drug. Oh, okay. They're like cigarettes, except they're bad for you. 
Okay. So, uh, I think we did our closing remarks for Dune, huh? Yeah. Fantastic. I, yeah, I like it. I hope if anyone out there was on the fence that you do give it a try. I like Dune is sort of like the Metallica Black Album that still sells like a hundred thousand copies a year. And they're like, who the fuck is still buying this album? And I bet this company's like, how many, how are we still selling this many copies of Dune a year? Doesn't like every library on the planet have one of these now? But I want you, <laughs> listener, to go to the store and fucking buy a copy of this book if you don't have it. I want you to be the guy discovering the Metallica Black Album for the first time in, in 2022. That's not a bad recommendation either. Yeah, it's a fucking banger. Go listen to Metallica. <laughs> this little band called Metallica. Okay, well, how about some Glad Space? Yeah! We we do like to close out the show by saying something positive. I think today was a very positive show, so I don't feel so bad. But, uh, Chad, do you have a Glad Space this week? Yes. I've been, uh, I've been watching Archer, the new season of that, which I think came out this year. And I like that cartoon a lot. It is very enjoyable. And so I'm having a really good time watching that uh, with the family. We usually have like a drink because Archer's having a drink and he shouldn't drink alone. That would be upsetting. And it's just been a really nice way to like cap off. You know, you get done with supper. Everybody's chilling. You pour a little bit of bourbon in a glass and you, you watch some Archer. And that's been that's been a good. That actually does sound like a really good pick. Yeah, no, nothing complicated there. Uh, what about you? Yeah, you happy about anything this week? Yeah, so I don't know if anyone out there still subscribes to the Angry Video Game Nerd. Um, I I know a lot of people like don't like his more uh, contemporary content. They like back when he would just like yell things and poop. I don't. Did you ever read or um, not read? Did you ever watch AVGN? Not really. I feel like I got into it late, so I don't feel burned that his, like, comedy style changed. But, uh, he loves to talk about movies. And, uh, he did something recently where someone asked him what, like, the worst movie ever made was. And so he did a fun video where he describes the worst movie he ever saw. And I'm just wondering, could you guess what he picks? Um, I feel like He's either going to have picked a movie I've never seen. He's going to pick either The Last Jedi or the one that came after Rise of the Skywalker. Or he picked an Adam Sandler movie. No, he picked Wavelength. Okay, so it was the first one. So Wavelength is kind of, it's an experimental artsy kind of student film. And... I, I don't know how to best describe it, so I want to recommend his video about it. Um, but it's a 40-minute video of a camera slowly inching towards a wall. And the whole thing's on YouTube. But this is one of those things that if you're ever in like a, a film college course, there's always going to be that one professor that makes you watch something like this just to ask questions like, yeah, this is pretty hard to watch, huh? But that evoked feelings, didn't it? And you have a discussion about as obtuse as the film is, what you felt during it besides boredom. 
this is literally like it's 40 minutes of paint drying, except there's no paint. It's just a wall. And you're waiting for anything to happen. And at about like the the 15 minute mark, someone walks on set and falls over dead. And you see their body there, but eventually the camera zooms in enough that you don't see the body anymore. And you're like, is that plot point going to come back or not? And 50 minutes later, a woman comes in and finds the body. And so she calls the police and she walks off camera and you're like, okay, is, is something going to happen or not? And it's like, it's strange for the sake of being strange. I feel like it doesn't actually say anything, but having James Rolfe walk you through wavelength it's a very interesting video i'm glad he put it out and for anyone that like you know enjoys thinking about film as a medium i think it's worthwhile to look at this but you know like you can look up wavelength on youtube and you can kind of skim through it and you'll spend a total of 30 seconds on it and move on because you cannot subject yourself to it it's so hard to watch that's my glad space Nice that 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 one. We went on a journey for your glad space. I will not watch wavelength a little bit, that but it's miserable. a journey. I recommend. <laughs> yes, I've had conversations. There's with people also, like, oh yeah, the idea is that like good art should challenge you though. Like there, or or yeah. art should be challenging, or art can be challenging. Like he's like, yeah, it took me. I had to listen to this album like six times before I got it. But man, those first five, it was. I thought it was like the worst thing I've ever heard. And I was like, why did you go back for a six? He's like, well, art should be challenging, and I I, I felt like this album was challenging me to to understand it, and then I did figure it out, and now I like it. And I'm like, I don't know, I, I don't have the patience or time for that, but I I appreciate that mindset a lot. Like I think I think that's cool to be like that open to something you don't like that you really want to understand it. Um, so yeah, that, that wavelength sounds kind of neat or or stupid depending on how you look at it. A little both. It can be both. But I think that's all. Uh, anything you want to share with everybody before we close out? Um, on Saturday uh, this week we are going to be recording a Warrior Chats episode on the new Taylor Swift album. Uh, Jean-Luc, I, Emily, and Alex. So it's going to be the Comics Podcast crew coming together to talk about Taylor Swift. That should hopefully be edited and up within, I don't know, a week or two after. We'll see how lazy I am. So keep an eye out for that if you want. If you want to hear, if you want to hear people talk about Taylor Swift. But that'll be on this feed, right? Yes. So just sit back and relax, and it'll happen whether you want it or not. I'm thinking the thumbnail. I might do. Uh, I might go f- like do a tier list of Taylor Swift albums, but then not tell anybody and just rank them on my personal taste. And then <laughs> and then they'll because I know I uh, we have very different opinions on which of her albums is the best, and so that will be a fun little way to mess with my friends. I like it. Yeah. What do they say in Dune when they say goodbye? I don't remember. Goodbye. Um, goodbye. Fuck yeah, I nailed it.